Cool. All right, so we're trying to figure out, sort of lean into, what does it look like to trust Jesus in the midst of the chaos? Uh, trying to figure out where is Jesus in all this? The last couple of weeks, we've talked about Genesis 1 and 2. Yep. Uh, I remember the initial frame you said when we first started was you either started the Gospels or you started Genesis. Sure, yeah. We've gone through Genesis 1 and 2 and a little 3, like, so... Now what? Yeah. Totally. Where, where do you go now? Totally. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is as much as I want to, we can't talk about every single chapter in, in sure. the scriptures. Yeah. But uh, what I was hoping to do is kind of do kind of a big picture overview of Genesis 3 through 11 and then mm -hmm. begin to camp out in the Abraham stories why? that like, follow. So why 3 through 11? Totally. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, 3 through 11, basically, Genesis 3 through 11 sets up uh, basically the problem that okay. the rest of scripture is going to be kind of the solution or the answer to. Okay. And so what I mean by that is this, is that Genesis 3, at least for most most of us, is kind of the famous fall story, right? Okay. Adam and Eve, they sin in yeah. the garden. Um, but what's kind of the, uh, another layer to that is actually as the chapters follow, Genesis 4 through 11, is that basically the fall narrative continues, hmm. um, but it continues in a way that it basically spirals out of control and things get worse and worse and worse okay. as each sort of story progresses until you get to Genesis 11. We'll talk about that in a, okay. in a second here. So you have um, like the fall. Yeah. Then you have Cain and Abel. Cain and so Abel. Murder. And then yeah. there's like escalating violence. Escalating violence. So like you have the the brothers, they or Cain murders Abel in Genesis yeah. 4, Genesis 5. You get... Um, mostly it's a genealogy, but you get this one moment in there where there's this character Lemek and he yeah. boasts about this, all the violence and yeah, all yeah. the revenge that he's going to do. Got it. Uh, you get to Genesis six and Genesis six is the intro to the flood story. Okay. And at the beginning of the flood story, there's this uh, verse in Genesis six. I actually want to read it real okay. quick. Genesis six, verse five says, and the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. Hmm. And so later on, the, the narrative talks about how the Lord's actually grieved in his heart because of the increasing violence. Wow. So things are continuing yeah, to spread. Evil continually. Exactly. So it's not just one act in the garden a long totally. time ago, but there's this continuous sort of, I don't know, saturation exactly. or marinating yeah, yeah. in evil, manifesting in violence and other things. Totally. Yeah. And there's this huge sort of spiraling descent that, okay. that's happening there. Which brings us to what happens right after that? Totally, yeah. So you have the flood story, Genesis okay, six. Yeah. It's a few. It's a few chapters. Yeah. Um. And what's interesting is that by the end of the the flood narrative, you have this idea where God actually says the exact same thing He said at the beginning of the flood narrative, where He okay. said at the beginning, every intention is evil all the time, and therefore He's going to destroy basically the earth. That's yep. what That's chapter the six. Yep. Yeah, the beginning. But the very end, in chapter eight, He says uh, in verse uh, twenty one. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. That's the exact same copy wow. and paste what he said in chapter six. But then he says, I will never again curse the ground because uh. of man. And so what you have here is the very same reason in the beginning where why the flood did happen hmm. is the very same reason where God now says, I'm not going to do that again. Wow. And why? Like, yeah. Isn't there, a, isn't there like a covenant or something? Totally, happens? yeah. Like so like what's, what's happening in there yeah. is that hum, hum, humanity's heart hasn't changed. Yeah. There's still evil. There's still yeah. sin. There's still brokenness. But what God is demonstrating in the flood narrative, what, what the flood narrative wants to highlight yeah. is God's commitment and faithfulness to his people. Wow. And it's this idea of covenant begins, that language of covenant begins to be introduced okay. in this sort of narrative here. Yeah. It's this kind of binding uh, fidelity, this faithfulness that God has with his people, despite yeah. 
their unfaithfulness, yeah. despite their kind of rebellion and all okay. that's happening in this. So I remember narrative. at the very beginning, we talked about Genesis 1. You talked about Genesis 1 is sort of this uh, idea of God bringing order and beauty out of chaos. Sure. And then we talked about in Genesis 3 how it's like there is order and beauty and then it descends into chaos yeah. in the fall. And then we watch in 3 through 6 is this further descending. Exactly. God comes in. He makes this promise that he is going to be faithful to humankind. Now, what happens after that? Does totally. everything get bright and rosy? <laughs> well, yeah. So this is interesting is that humanity kind of gets a reboot, so to speak, with Noah. So yeah. after the flood story. Adam 2.0. Adam 2.0, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So he's, you know, on a high place. The ark's on the mountain. Yeah. He, he comes out and it's like, you know, a brand new, fresh start yeah. for Noah. And often, Feeling good. Yeah, yeah. Often our children's Bibles, this is like the, the happy ending yeah, of yeah. the Noah story. But what's interesting is that it's often never in any children's Bible I've seen is that Noah participates essentially in like the fall again. Explain and so, that. yeah, so he's in, he's in a garden, yeah. he's with the animals, yeah. just like Adam is, yeah. uh, but he, just like Adam, partakes of the fruit of the vine. Wait, wait, which well, is I, interesting. I, I don't remember yeah. this. So, yeah, so it gets kind of lost in, in the yeah. details because, again, Adam and Eve, that's the famous, you know, yeah. grabbing the fruit. Yeah. Very obvious, they're in a garden, yeah. fruit, the whole thing. Doesn't say it's an apple, that's yeah. from Milton. Milton, exactly. Yeah, so go. whatever that fruit was, yeah. whatever that, maybe you know, a, Maybe a grape. It could have been a monstrous grape, yeah, who knows, right? <laughs> um, but and nevertheless, Adam, or sorry, Noah, he gets drunk. Uh, there's this weird story yeah, yeah. in the flood narrative, and it's like bizarre. Yeah. But he, what he's done is he's taken the fruit. fruit, created some wine, and has basically abused that. And what that does is that unleashes further relational harm with his mm. own family. You get this kind of weird, again, narrative with Noah it has this kind of beef with one of his sons from there. Huh. And then the spiral just continues. The chaos the continues. The chaos continues, exactly. And so as the narrative continues to progress, it's like, well, Noah was given kind of this new Adam, mm. this new humanity chance. He was given yeah. the divine blessing, be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. He's in a garden again. He has this fresh start. You know, God's going to partner with them. He's made a covenant with him yeah. again. But humanity's heart, like the flood narrative is showing, yeah. continually is filled with evil and continually perpetuates the chaos yeah. that was unleashed back in Genesis 3. Uh, but what happens then is that as that spiraling continues, and if you guys have the notes, you kind of see this on one of the, the first pages there. It's this this chart that shows all of these stories in sequential order. Mm -hmm. And they kind of go in like this descending staircase. You can kind of see how just the progression of these stories gets worse and worse. It's kind of what I'm trying to show in yeah. this chart here. But as you kind of get down to uh, the end of chapter 9 and then chapter 10 of Genesis, you then come to chapter 11. Yeah. And the beginning of chapter 11 is this famous story of humanity all coming together in one place, mm -hmm. uh, the kind of the famous you know Tower of Babel yeah. story. And here's humanity. They're you know, have this new technology, the brick, it says in Genesis 11. Whoa. Yeah, it's like the brick, right? You yeah. know, it's like now we have the iPhone, but yeah. they had the brick. <laughs> um, and they're all coming together. And one of the key refrains in the Genesis 11 story is here is humanity wanting to, quote, make a name for themselves. Mm. And so it's all of the kind of the selfishness, all of the kind of can-do attitude, yeah. all of the wanting to achieve the greatness, or whatever the case would have been on their own yeah. apart from God. And it's all of humanity coming together in one place yeah. at the Tower of Babel. Now, what's also interesting is that the Tower of Babel, that word Babel, is the, the same word for Babylon wow. that gets used later on. In Hebrew, it's in the, the Hebrew exact Bible. same word. Same word, right? Yeah. So what you have is as there's this, this descending progression, this spiraling out of control, all of humanity at, throughout various points in the narrative is moving further and further away from God. 
until they end up in Babylon. Yeah. Which foreshadows, I think, the story of Israel. Israel mm-hmm. is going to end up further and further away from God. And by the end of their you know, their history, the end of their narrative yeah. in the scriptures, they've ended up in, in Babylon. Babylon. Right. Yeah. So you have all of humanity wow. ends up in Babylon. All of Israel, most of Israel will end up yeah. in Babylon later on in the Old hmm. Testament. And it's at this point where all of humanity has come sort of at this like negative apex, if you yeah. will. It's like this this yeah. negative scene where God begins to then at the in the next chapter, Genesis twelve begins to pivot and the story begins to yeah. shift. Well, in Genesis, the Tower of Babel, they're trying to make a name for themselves, yeah. which also feels like an echo back to Genesis 3 with like Eve is sort of based on her own wisdom is yeah. making choices. Now they're building a tower up to the heavens as a way to like, hey, we think this is the best way to totally. do it. Oh, We're yeah. going to make a name for ourselves. So you see this sort of, I don't know, another echo into the descending chaos. Oh, for sure. And then you have this guy named... Abraham. 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 And what's what's interesting and a kind of a detail that gets skipped over is that as Genesis 11 ends, it yeah. mentions Abraham and his family as being as living in this place called Ur of the Chaldeans, which is yeah. in Babylon. Yeah. So what what's going to happen yeah. is this is very important is that God's going to call Abraham out of Babylon. Yeah, that's good. God's going to call Abraham out of the mess, out of the brokenness, out of the chaos to be his essentially conduit of blessing hmm. for the rest of the world. Yeah. And it's this picture. It's important to read, I think, Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, and the beginning of Genesis 12 in particular together. I mean, yeah. they're obviously chapters right next to yeah, each yeah. other. But to not to see these stories connected, because what you have is all of humanity rebelling, all the nations. Yeah. You have this, the table of nations is given in this scene. All the nations, at least in the Hebrew mind, are there gathered together. Yeah. And all of humanity, all the nations are rebelling. Now, God's response to human brokenness and to human sin is not to like, again, just you know beat them down with lightning mm. or whatever. He's going to call one man, one family. Mm-hmm. And God says repeatedly over and over, and I want to kind of camp out on this a little yeah. bit through in Genesis 12. It's through you, Abraham, yeah. you, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless the nations. Wow. And in context, the nations have just done the Tower of Babel. Yeah. They've just had this rebellious wow. moment collectively. Yeah. And so Abraham becomes the response. Abraham's uh, family becomes that response to the brokenness and sin got it. that Genesis 3 through 11, in yeah. particular 11, is sort of like the culmination of that. So in the same way, you have kind of chaos, the tohu bohu, the wild waste, right? Yeah. And then God brings order and beauty in the same way, right? Abraham is called out of Babel, out of Babylon, the descending chaos into being a blessing, bringing order and beauty and goodness from God into the world. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so this is where Abraham, he essentially becomes kind of this new Adam sort of figure, right? He's given a blessing just like Genesis one at or Adam was as well. And it's interesting five times over in the first, I don't know, five or six verses of Genesis 12, that word blessing appears. And what's also interesting is that if you've been reading Genesis one through 11 up to that point, five times the word curse has appeared. Hmm. And it's this kind of narrative way that the author is saying Uh. of like through Abraham, God's going to reverse the curse wow. that Genesis 3 through 11 That's has powerful. brought about. So you have five repetitions of the word curse and then five repetitions of the word blessing Bless. as a way of saying in the midst of the chaos and the curse of all the things we see around us, God is bringing sort of blessing through this guy, exactly. Abraham. It's Yeah, it's going to be family. through Abraham's family. And this yeah. is where uh, I think this is important, this idea of it's going to be through Abraham's family. Hmm. God's blessing and God's healing and God bringing beauty out of the, all the, the mess is going yeah. to come. And now 
we know as Christians, this kind of ends up with Jesus, right? Yeah. I don't want to fast forward yeah, to people of Israel, Jesus, eventually the church. The church, yeah, yeah, totally. So this is all where the whole the whole storyline connects. Now I want to read this quote because I think it kind of sums up a little bit um, from Chris Wright about why why I just wanted to spend time on yeah. three through eleven. Uh, he says this. He's an Old Testament scholar. He says the whole Bible can be portrayed as a very long answer to a very simple question. What can God do about the sin and rebellion of the human race? Well, Genesis 12 through 22, so the Abraham story forward, is God's answer to the problem posed by the bleak narratives of Genesis 3 through 11. Hmm. And so that's why it's important to have the background of Genesis 3 through 11 kind of floating in your head as you begin the Abraham story. So tell us a little, so like, We've talked a little bit about Abraham is called out of Babel, Babylon, Ur, right? Yeah. To be this blessing. But what does that journey look like for him? Totally. Yeah. Right? Like, is it super smooth? Is yeah. it easy? Like, yeah. how? What? maybe tease that out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure. So Abraham's called. He's chosen. This is, by the way, where all that sort of language kind of finds its okay. origins from. And it's calling to be a blessing. It's chosen to be a yeah. blessing. So it's an outward focus sort of thing. Um, but what's interesting with Abraham is that this journey of faith is kind mm. of the, the language we yeah. often use is a very, very bumpy journey. Mm. I think this is where it can really relate to us yeah. in our day. Yeah, I wanna... If you just read Genesis 12, you feel like he's a blessing totally. to the nation. Yes. He's awesome. And it's kind of like, it's like someone gets like a little tweet about yeah. like some issue and they're like, Oh, awesome. And then you dig in, you're like, Whoa, that was really messy. Totally. Oh yeah, totally. And there's this weird, and this one, this is a very small detail that often gets um, overlooked. Uh, God tells Abraham in the beginning of Genesis 12, and the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your kindred, your father's house, and the land I will show you. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things God tells Abraham to do as, as a part of this, I'm going to bless you mm-hmm. narrative, is he says, leave your family, mm-hmm. right? And what's interesting is that Abraham actually, if you, this is very much following the details. Mm-hmm. If you follow the details, Abraham technically doesn't leave all of his family. There's someone that actually comes with him, Lot. And it's interesting is that will Lot cause problems or will that relationship cause uh, problems later on in the story? Huh. I guess we'll see. And we'll see. But <laughs> sneak, hint, hint, the answer is yes. Yeah. And so there's there's these subtle things like that and there's much bigger things as well. We can get to some of, some hmm. of those as well where it's this journey of faith for Abraham yeah. is very much there's these moments where he does follow, he does trust, yeah. he does you know go along with what God says. And yeah. then there's these moments where he like the narrative in Genesis 3 through 11 kind of takes things into his own, his own hands. hands. Yeah. Okay. So both, both Te- happen. Do you want to tease that out? Totally. Yeah. There's a, another point I want to make as well is yeah. that the writer to the Hebrews is we're kind of talking about the initial stages yeah. of this journey. Hebrews 11 verse eight says that as when God called Abraham, Abraham quote, did not know where he was going. Hmm. And this is where it becomes very much relational for us in our day. When we think about, just where we are in the midst of kind of COVID-19 and the coronavirus and all this stuff that's happening. What does it look like to trust God in the midst of the unknown? Hmm. And Abraham, according to the author to the Hebrews says like, this is what Abraham was living. Yeah. Having to trust God in the midst of his unknown. Obviously the the circumstances were different. Yeah, sure. You know, they probably still called from something into something unknown. He's trying to figure out, figure out what does this look like? How do I, how do I do this? In the frozen movie. Yeah. So like at our house, we're always, you know, playing one of the frozen movies and there's that song 
where Elsa is at this kind of key moment in the story yeah. is like into the unknown. It's well, that was like, a very that good was rendition. Very good. Yeah. I think Sienna would be proud. But yeah, anyway, um, it's this idea of as silly as that example is of like in this moment, looking at the Abraham story mm. and comparing that to our day in, in the midst of 2020, what we're living in right yeah. now is that we too, in, in a variety of different ways, are being called into trusting God in the in the midst yeah. of not necessarily knowing where we're going. Yeah. You good. know, we're, we're not guaranteed the next day. We're not mm-hmm. guaranteed what's going to happen, you know, a week from now, a month from now. I think of the passage in the book of James where he's like, James is like, well, you think today or tomorrow you're going to do this or that? Mm-hmm. You know, your life is but a vapor. Yeah. And we're really living in that sort of tension mm. uh, right now. But kind of back to the Abraham story, yeah. there's some very profound examples in kind of narratives that follow yeah. that I think we can really... Yeah, so he goes from. into the unknown, yeah. but maybe he doesn't nail it. Totally. Every time. Yeah. But faith is him sort of being in that process. Let's look at like... Yeah. What does that journey look like? Totally. Right? From the predictability of Ur to the unknown, what does it look like to trust God in the midst of it or not? Or not. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you have just kind of big picture here and we can camp out on some of these. Is yeah. like Genesis 12, the beginning section of that is this famous passage where we just talked about God's going to call Abraham and he's going to bless him five times over mm-hmm. that blessing happens. What's so interesting though, is the very next narrative. So that's actually the first nine verses is here's okay. God saying, I'm going to bless you. Mm-hmm. The very next narrative, uh, Abraham. And at this point, her name's Sarai. Yeah. Her name will be changed to Sarah later on mm-hmm. is they're in Egypt and Abraham panics. Yeah. And he's, it's like this, this moment where God so has left her. He's like, Taking a step of faith. And he's been given this like awesome blessing, word from God. Five-fold blessing, totally. word from God. Yeah. And then he panics. He panics. He's in Egypt with his wife, Sarah, uh, or Sarah at the time. And it's it's so interesting that he basically says, you know, Sarah, they're going to think, you know, you're beautiful. And, you know, I'm just going to pretend you're my sister. And so that way the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, can kind of do what he wants. It's this very bizarre story. Yeah. But needless to say, he he doesn't trust that God's going to take mm. care of them. He doesn't trust God's going to take care of Abraham himself and his wife. Mm. And so he basically pawns his wife off as kind of like, you're just my sister yeah. kind of a thing. And, and kind of deceives and lies wow. through that. And it's a, it's a small sort of sure. you know, story. But probably not to Sarai. Not to Sarai, exactly, <laughs> yeah. But what's what's interesting, it's like when you read these narratives in context, yeah. you have this profound, you know, blessing, blessing hope, sending, faith, yeah. trust. It's like Abraham's the hero. The very next narrative, wow, he falls flat on his face. Yeah. And you, you we have this pattern basically mm. throughout. And the notes here, there's this chart. And by the way, this chart is not original to me. This is from uh, Hebrew Bible professor Tim Mackey yeah. at the Bible Project. So just give credit where credit's due, right? Um, so anyway, the, what, what's happening here is you see in these narratives where you have at the beginning of 13, Abraham and Lot, they have mm. this conflict. Now, again... Yeah, remember, Lot was supposed to be Lot back was, in was, Yeah, yeah. so the, 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 the divine command, essentially, was leave your family. Yeah. Lot comes with, and then Abraham and Lot have this conflict hmm. in chapter 13. Now, the narrative continues to progress, and one of the key moments actually becomes in Genesis 15, where Abraham has this, it's this weird sort of like dream vision hmm. thing that Abraham does. And it's another moment, just like Genesis 12, where God is going to reiterate yeah, the promise. The promise. He's going to reiterate his faithfulness. Yeah, the covenant. Right? The covenant, exactly. Mm-hmm. And we have this, this pattern of God declares the promise, declares the covenant. Yeah. Abraham has these narratives where he more or less blows it. Yeah. And God's going to reiterate the covenant and the promise. Wow. Again, it's this reminder yeah. of 
despite all of the the folly that yeah. Abraham does, and he will do some good things yeah. too. But the but the mixed bag of actions that yeah. Abraham has, God's going to remain faithful. Which and so kind of mirrors this idea of like, you know, Noah sort of is Adam totally. 2.0. They're still sinning, evil, all these things. But God says, "I'm going to be faithful to yeah. you." Same here. We're now repeating with Abraham. All these promises exactly. going to bless, but he's still not like. He's not killing Faith it. Faith exemplar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah, yeah. For sure. And so when you get to Genesis 15, and it's interesting, the, the, the narrative between Genesis 15, 16, and 17 is a very good example of what I'm trying to talk yeah. about here. It's kind of a good summary of this, of how these narratives work. Genesis 15, Abraham, he basically, he's, he falls asleep. He has this vision, God, and then he God tells him basically to take these animals and then cut them in two. Yeah. It's this weird sort of ancient Near Eastern sure, covenant sure. ceremony. Mm -hmm. And where basically the idea was is that when someone would make a covenant with someone else, mm -hmm. they would often kind of do this ceremony where they cut the animals apart and each party would walk through once. Yeah. And by walking through, they would say, they're basically saying to each other, if I don't keep my end of the covenant, yeah. may my life end up like these yeah. cut up animals. May my life be torn sure, apart. Sure. And so Abraham's in this moment and he sees God basically walk through, not once yeah. for his part, but walk through twice. Yeah. And what's being signaled there in Genesis, the beginning of Genesis 15 is that God's going to keep yeah. both his end of the bargain yeah. and Abraham's end of the bargain yeah no matter what. Yeah. And it reminds us of the covenant keeping faithfulness of God, despite yeah. all of the brokenness that Abraham and his family is going to continue to participate in. Yeah. Now the very next chapter is Genesis 16. And so again, here's this high moment. The covenant is being reiterated in Genesis 15, mm -hmm. but Genesis 16, we talked about this last week yeah. is that it's another fall narrative where wow. Abraham he, and his wife, Sarah see Hagar, yeah, yeah, the yeah. slave servant, yeah. or their their maidservant, yeah. takes Hagar, and Abraham does what is good in his eyes. Yeah, repeating sort the, of Genesis, the, the 3. Genesis three story. Genesis three, yeah. exactly. Sees, takes, and what's the other one? Uh, sees, takes, takes and then gives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that those same verbs are repeated in Genesis sixteen yeah. for Abraham and Sarah. And then this yeah. is another moment, or one of many, where Abraham will take into his own hands mm. and try to do what is good in his own eyes, even though in Genesis 15 yeah. and in Genesis 12, yeah. God has already promised, no, I'm going to bless you. I'm so going you to give you a family. this sort of reiteration of God blessing, God promising, Abraham not quite like getting, getting it, it yeah. or falling on his face and sort of leaning into the grace and mercy of God totally. and then God promising again. Yeah. And then Abraham kind of falling on his face again. Totally. Exactly. And so you have that from 15 to 16 and then 17 is a chapter 17 is another moment where God reiterates the covenant again, hmm. just after he, he failed. Abraham wow. does. It's this bookended. is pretty profound. It's bookended. And it, it, these yeah. narratives are trying to tell us something uh, the honesty of the human condition, mm -hmm. but also God's faithfulness. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, I, I'm all for reading, you know, a short section of scripture, yeah. slowing down, meditating on it, yeah. and also kind of reading these yeah. larger, zooming out, zooming out, because you get this perspective yeah. as well. And you see through the ups and downs, what's consistent. Well, yeah. humanity is not very consistent. Yeah. God's faithfulness is consistent. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, those are just a few of, of these examples of what, what God is doing. Now, Abraham does have some good moments. Yeah. There's a moment later on in Genesis 18 and into 19 where God or Abraham intercedes on behalf of 
Sodom where, oh, yeah. you know, there's this, there's this moment where there's this interchange where Abraham tells God, you know, if there's 45 yeah, righteous yeah. people, will you, you yeah. know, still destroy? And it's like, and then he works down, he to works like, down. If there's it's one like, exactly. or five, I yeah. can't remember what's the this, bottom. I think it's like five. five, it's either five or 10. But the point yeah. of the narrative is that here's Abraham. He is exercising his faith in line with God's yeah. heart. And he's showing like, this is what it looks like to partner with God, to, mm. to pray in line with God, to trust God, yeah. that God is a just God, that God yeah. is who he says he is. And this is this beautiful high moment. Yeah. Uh, the other famous sort of high moment is Genesis 22, mm. where it's this uh, kind of daunting uh, ask that God yeah, yeah. you know, gives Abraham, you know, sacrifice your only son, yeah. right? And this is, again, after years of just waiting and, you know, this her- uh, the Ishmael narrative has yeah. already happened and all that. You know, and God asked Abraham to take his son to sacrifice mm. him, and to it's a bizarre story. But when you read it in context, Abraham has already been given all of these choices that lead up to Genesis twenty-two yeah, yeah. in the Isaac story. And so, at this point in the mm. narrative, this is again God having this moment with Abraham wow. of what's going to happen. You know, what kind of kind of covenant partner are you going to be in mm. this moment? And Abraham, he actually passes yeah. the test. He exercises great faith here. Yeah. And, he, and it's and it's kind of de- demonstrating that I think Abraham has come a long way wow. in the midst of this yeah. journey. In the midst of the ups and downs, his ability to trust has increased, has increased. in the midst of the chaos of everyday totally. life. Exactly. Yeah. And it's this profound, I think, beautiful moment to, you know, it's, kind of, it's one of the final sort of larger narratives of the Abraham story. Yeah. And it kind of paints this, I don't know, this stamp, if, if that's the right language or not. Yeah. But it kind of shows like there has been progress yeah. in Abraham's life. It's been an up, up and, and down, down. journey, yeah. but there has been progress. And there's this beautiful line at the end of the Genesis 22 uh, sacrificing Isaac story where Abraham says to Isaac, no, the Lord will provide, hmm. you know, and or Isaac asked his father right previously, yeah. like, you know, where, where's the, where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb yeah. going to be? And Abraham exercises this great moment of trust and says, you know what? God's going to provide. Hmm. And I think that's a beautiful sort of place to land as, yeah. as followers of Jesus Yeah, is this place of uncertainty. When, when we're in uncertainty of coming to this moment of, you know what? God is going to provide. God mm-hmm. is going to be there with me. God is going to yeah. meet me in those, those moments. Yeah. And this Abraham narrative gives us a good frame mm-hmm. to kind of see some of that. Yeah. So. so if you were to sort of go from right, we have Genesis 1 and 2, Genesis 3, and now we're in, you know, 3 through 22 or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, if you were going to say to the folks in the class, like, this is what I want you to really take home. Yeah. Like, these totally. are the two questions I'm going to wrestle, want you to wrestle with. This is how I want you to lead in. Like, where do you hit the ground? Yeah, totally. I think for, let me just start with kind of one big takeaway from all the Abraham yeah. narratives and then some questions to maybe think about. I think first, just to understand when you're reading and we're seeing the Abraham narrative, it's an invitation to not just see these as stories that happened in the distant past, yeah. but to see these stories as mirrors to look at our own lives. Okay. In the midst of our unknown, in the midst of our uncertainty, yeah. seeing Abraham as someone who, yes, trusts and yes, doesn't trust at certain points. Mm. And to see that this is an invitation for us to have a deeper trust in what is consistent, yeah. God's faithfulness, yeah. God's continually uh, always being with us, his presence with us. And to see that in the moments where Abraham does exercise great faith mm-hmm. and in the moments, and there's a variety of them where, where Abraham does place his trust in God and does yeah. act in faith, it, it basically releases or unleashes, if you will, the divine blessing that God wow. promised in Genesis 12. But when the reverse happens 
And when Abraham doesn't trust, when Abraham yeah. doesn't sort of follow what God has asked him to do or exercise great faith, yeah. you know, there's this moment where, you know what? The, the curses and the, the, the brokenness yeah. that gets unleashed into the world. Yeah. Um, but I think that's, those are just important things to take away and remember with, yeah. with some of this. And then for us just to think about just a few questions to consider is like, you know, where are those moments in our lives, mm. like right now yeah. in the midst of coronavirus and COVID-19 yeah. where you're kind of placed in those moments, will you trust God or not? Mm. And to maybe sit down and slow down and reflect yeah. on, you know, God, where are you asking me into yeah. a deeper reliance on you yeah. and a deeper trust on you. Cause I think for all of us, if we're honest, if we slow down enough, yeah. there's key moments that I think are being revealed in us and in our lives, especially yeah. with all the change sure. where God is asking us and God is inviting us into a deeper trust mm. in him that makes and sense. to say, and to look at the scriptures and say, you know what God is saying to us, I am faithful. Mm. My word is the scriptures are telling us God is faithful. Our human choices we, all over the place, all over the place yeah, yeah. you know? And so there's the, the choice before us, yeah. you know, in those moments, in those areas of our lives, as we slow down, where are those moments yeah. and what does it look like for you in 2019 or 2020 in the midst of COVID-19 yeah. to trust in, to trust in God? Yeah. So. so we're all kind of called into the unknown yeah. just as Abraham or just as Abraham was. And we're called to trust yeah. in the faithful God totally. as we go about yeah. daily life. Yeah, it's for awesome. sure. Yeah. Look forward to talking about it more. Yeah, it's going to be good. Cool. Thanks, man. Sweet.